0: Welcome to the Health and Wellness Show on your VOCM. Now here's your host, Dr. Mike Wall.
1: Welcome to the show. Today we're going to talk about mental health in our communities and in our personal lives. I think we really need to dive deep and understand mental health and its impact on us. Uh, by removing the stigma and starting the conversation. So who better to talk about this than our two guests today? Our first guest is Amelia Curran. She's a Juno Award-winning artist and East Coast Music Award-winning singer, songwriter, filmmaker, and co-founder of Is Mental. She is an outspoken advocate for the improvements in mental health care services, including the coordination of government and community-based efforts. Thanks for being here, Amelia. Hey, thanks for having me. And with her is Donnie Cody. He's an entrepreneur extraordinaire and proprietor of DC Design House. He is the entertainment host for Out of the Fog. He's a music artist and a very active community engager. One of those engagements is working with Amelia as a co-founder of It's Mental. Welcome to the show, Donnie. Thank you so much.
2: It's so great to be hanging out with you guys today.
1: Well, let's dig right into it, guys. Amelia, how did you become an advocate for mental health? If I only knew. You know, it
3: was it was the... <laughs> It's like, where do I place the blame? Because what a weird thing to have done to myself. But uh, it started with the video, this video that I made with Roger Monder. I didn't really know Roger at the time, which is funny, yeah. which I neglect to to make part of the story. Um, I reached out to Roger just knowing who he was in our arts community. So I had this idea. I want to do this thing. It was just from my mind. <laughs> In my heart. And Roger said yes. And everybody kept saying yes. And when I went to uh, Marguerite's place and the Status of Women Council and Jenny Wright to have some of those women take part, Jenny and I had a long chat and she looked me up and down and said, well, I hope you're ready to be an advocate because it's going to happen whether you want it to or not. And I did not know what I was in for and was going with the flow. I'm along for the ride now. I mean... The whole video happened because everybody kept saying yes and I can't very well start saying no after that, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's a ton of names in that and I mean every single person you see in that video is somebody we all know in some aspects of the community, which is an amazing, yeah. you know, testament to the need for this, right?
3: Well, and, and they also represent somebody who said yes, who, you know, who were asked something very casually, you know, come take part in this video that I have trouble explaining, that's really cheesy, and isn't going to pay you, and I'm not even going to buy you a coffee, and blah, 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 and you go, and it's for mental health, and people trip over themselves to say yes and to take part. It's so important to everybody.
1: Such a relevant thing. So can you tell me a little bit about the organization that's mental
3: and what it is? Can I throw that to Donnie? <laughs> yeah, go over, Donnie. Go ahead. It's so
2: funny because uh, whenever we have these grounding conversations and as you know, public relations background, like I'm just thinking about key messages always. And whenever we get into this conversation, it turns into this game show money phone booth where we have so many things that we want to say, but it's got to be succinct. I guess I'll just say that when we first started, it was about awareness, education, and um, support. And tangible things like participating in the conversation around the Waterford at the time, talking about the need to establish a mobile crisis unit. Um, These were the conversations that were very tangible for us when we started. And as we made headway and communicated and conversated with so many people and moved those needles forward with the community that we're in, our noble motive evolved as well. Because one day um, in my kitchen, Amelia just turns to us and says, why are we um, waiting for the government to solve our problems? And Amelia always looks at things from that view, and I looked at her like, what do you mean? And she said, why can't we just raise the money and take the money we raise and empower the people who are willing to be leaders and train those people so they can train other people? And then Mm -hmm. we're creating a moving model that we can actually, if you picture a slow-motion firework, you know, it goes off across the sky, and that's what we would be doing with the long-term vision is to empower and train trainers. And we said, absolutely. And so what is its mental mandate and noble motive now? It's to continue to take the generous donations we get from so many amazing people and to train trainers who can go out into communities remote and beyond to help empower our people versus sitting around waiting for somebody else to solve the problem. Well, I can yeah. see why
1: you're part, see? Of the, part of the team. Yeah, see? That's, you can that's see
3: why I'm up. like, oh, Donnie will answer that. Donnie will answer that <laughs> perfectly and beautifully. It's, you know, I've it's <laughs> yeah. been a long time since I heard you refer to the slow motion firework. I, I do love that. Mm. That's a perfect image for us, too. Mm-hmm. That's true. How long has
1: this mental been going on for?
3: Oh, the video was made six or seven years ago. Whoa. And it, it was right on the heels of that. So Roger Monder introduced me to Donnie. And the name It's Mental was Donnie's idea. And I said, I'm going to go think about it. And I I was a little (laughs) snowflakey about it, and I didn't want to upset anybody. uh, But since then, you know, dipping my toes into government things, you really – you care a lot. You get your priorities straight pretty quickly Mm because everything just takes so long. And uh, we got together. Sure, it didn't take too long. We got together. I said, okay, let's do it. What is it? <laughs> and, um, yeah. and talk and talk and talk, that thing we keep telling people to do. Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, mm-hmm. we figured it out, and people kept saying yes to us.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. that's amazing. And so now you mm-hmm. say that the organization is, is sort of empowering themselves in a lot of ways by sending trained trainers to go out to people that are vulnerable and need it. So what type of training would they have? Who would they be working with? Where would they be working What's the goal with that side of
3: things? Well, that's the thing. It's all independent, right? I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it is a really heady sort of thing. We keep just saying training and trainers. A lot of these courses are offered by the Canada Mental Health Association or the Canadian Coalition for Mental Health, and there are a lot of rules there, and there are a lot of boxes mm-hmm. to check. Mm-hmm. But we can help with that. So we get to the point where it's just a person with knowledge to share in a room yes. with other people somewhere. And we just get down to the core that that's what we can do.
2: So what's the future vision for this, Donnie? Well, ultimately, we're very lucky that an amazing uh, community leader who a lot of people know in a bunch of capacities, Allison Butler, is someone who I had known in a, a couple of other walks of life. And just by chance, I was sitting down one evening with her, and we were talking about what we're doing with It's Mental, um, which is taking our funds and training trainers. And she said, oh, my gosh, that's what I want to do because she's very well known and very accomplished as a speaker and a presenter, and she works in a not-for-profit as well. And so we said, well, if you are willing to, as uh, Amelia says, tick the boxes of the things that you actually have to do if you're going to become this trainer, which – As an example, you have to teach three classes a year minimum. You have to have X number of people registered from those classes. And that's so you can keep your licensure, so you can keep uh, being a trainer. So, you know, it's not like a walk in the park and you have to go off the island because the actual Mm -hmm. training program rarely ever happens here, doesn't typically reach the capacity required in order for someone to come down and teach the class, meaning we had to send Allison to Waterloo, I think it was, for the actual (laughs) five-day training that is required. And so ultimately that's our zoom lens. It's Mm -hmm. finding people who are willing to commit to those licensure requirements so that we help fund not entirely because we want the person to have their own sort of proverbial skin in the game. So we know that they're dedicated to doing it with or without us. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's the piece that comes together. So the dream is for us to continue to a raise support uh, and funds and to find the people who are brave and amazing enough to take this training uh, and to bring it on home, you know.
1: That's great. So you're really just increasing a lot of uh, a lot of education and bringing skill sets that might not have ever been in the area to the area by providing opportunities to people that are passionate.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You're right. And it's a very it's a humble not- uh, You know, noble motive. It's do you want to help empower our people around the subjects of mental health realities? Yeah, are you willing to do that? Um, you know, three times a year. Great, let's talk. Yeah, that's yeah. you know. perfect. Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. See so it is, it is. It's a lot of individual motivation. You know, it's a lot of self motivation for people. Mm-hmm. But again, I mean, in my dream of dreams, it would be a lot easier to gain this knowledge and this sort of license. I mean, you just heard Donnie describe it, and it's like we're jumping through a lot of hoops here. But that's okay. Mm-hmm. We can do that. We can jump through the hoops. We've got each other. And we can do that. Ideally, like I said, my dream of dreams, it's a lot simpler than that in the future.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, As yeah. an example, Mike, just to throw yeah. um, this extra ingredient into the pot in terms of the road to walk in order to get to that point of, of taking the training, you also have to have lived experience with mental health,
3: mm-hmm. which
2: I found on the onset of that box, so to speak, uh, the tick, to be quite interesting Because at that time, when I first heard that, I didn't really acknowledge what I now know to be true, which I talk about a lot whenever the subject of mental health comes up, which is I personally am not a fan of the stigmatic words like disease, illness. I'm not really into that. I'm into mental health realities because the truth is we all have mental health realities. And so that to me was interesting. I didn't feel like That requirement was appropriate until I really thought about it and recognized, of course, you have to have lived mental health realities, and we all do. So, I think it was one of those things that I found to be a bit of a a eureka moment.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes we'd rather go to war with somebody who fought a war or somebody who studied it in school, right? So, you know, the (laughs) approach. Yeah, we're going to take our first break here, guys. I'm here with Amelia Curran and Donnie Cody, who are co-founders of It's Mental. We'll be right back
0: after this break. The Health and Wellness Show will be right back on your VOCM. Now back to Dr. Mike Wall. This is the Health and Wellness Show on your VOCM.
1: Welcome back. I'm here with Juno award-winning artist Amelia Curran and Donnie Cody, entrepreneur in the marketing field. They are co-founders of It's Mental, a grassroots advocacy group promoting mental health awareness. Let's talk specifics, guys. We need to focus on mental health in our communities. Here's a few stats from your video uh, from the organization. Uh, They're they're pretty astounding. 100% of Canadians are affected by mental health through family and friends. It has a 1.5 times the prevalence rate of cancer but only gets 6% of the funding. Suicide is the second leading cause of death for 10- to 19-year-olds in our country. 80- to 90% of seniors living in assisted living have depression, and each week 500,000 Canadians miss work because of mental health. These stats are real. They're scary. So why is mental health still considered taboo,
3: Amelia? Well, I would say for starters, those stats are about six or seven years old, and in all likelihood, they're possibly more frightening now. They're they're also sadly not all that surprising. I'd like to zone in on the on the funding one though, because it's it's the six percent of funding. Now that's provincial, and it was at the time. So each province has a different stat for that, but it it varies between like four percent and seven percent of healthcare funding goes toward mental health. I think this has probably gone up recently in recent years. However. I don't want people to think it's a throw money at it answer. I think we might be okay with less healthcare dollars as compared to something like cancer, which does actually have fewer patients because we don't expect people to cure themselves of cancer. And we don't want to expect people to cure themselves of a serious mental illness. However, if you maintain your mental wellness like you can your physical wellness, we can continue having fewer and fewer patients on the mental health care system. So I think the dollars is not really a conversation we need to get into if we're focusing Mm -hmm. on sharing knowledge, empowering the individual citizen. We take care of our friends. We take care of our family. And we try not to depend on a system that, that so far hasn't been able to be all that dependable.
1: I mean, a lot of the healthcare systems like that these days are very reactive. I, I work in the medical world myself, and a lot of the time people have already gone over that edge, so to speak, with their health before they end up being able to avail of it. So, yeah, that's one thing that's sort of a gap that's missing. I, I think that when you're trying to create awareness, Donnie, like this is, I, I saw the video, Saw so many familiar faces, it's such a powerful statement. From your side of things, why is it so important to engage the community figures and get the word out that way?
2: Um, I think that as a marketer, it's about cachet, it's about digital footprint and the ability to create ripples. I think that we were very lucky, and Amelia and Roger, who were the two spearheads of that entire project, that they definitely identified people who not only were creative, um, a lot of them in nature, meaning that they are definitely closer to the vulnerabilities that artists tend to live with when it comes to mental health realities and addiction formulas based on lifestyle and careers. I think that the people also had a lot of digital footprints, a lot of networks, and a lot of people who believe in and anticipate their stances on a variety of subjects. And so I think it was strategically relevant, authentic to the people in the video as well.
1: And Amelia, you said you couldn't. You couldn't get. couldn't say no. There were so many people that wanted
3: to be involved. I couldn't say no. There were so many people, and there were a few on the cutting room floor actually. And the the song, the length of the video is twice as long as it was supposed to be because that little song is about two minutes long, two minutes and a few seconds. We looped it. We looped the whole thing. It's not a song you want to loop a whole lot because there's only one lyric, so it goes, it goes on and on and on. And then it starts again, and the sun comes up on little Steve Maloney there, and he's like. It's going to be okay, and it just go to go those We could have done it three or four times over. Wow! I think of doing yeah. an anniversary version. You know? Yeah, that'd be That's so great.
2: awesome. Yeah. Because you know what? Honestly, I think that idea is a great one. Because we've come um, pretty far in the conversation. I mean, not to be untoward at all, but I mean, the training wheels were still on the bike of Clara's big ride. Let's be honest. Like five, six, seven years yeah. ago. That campaign was also in its infancy. And so now we can look back in a more normalized culture around mental health realities. But six years ago, um, nobody was talking about it. It was a quiet riot. And I do think that that was the TSN turning point where the conversation did become more mainstream, um, thanks to Bell and its incredible efforts, as well as grassroots advocacy organizations like us.
3: I do think also, I mean, six years ago, anyone who stood up and talked about their own story was automatically – a hero, and now we're, we've gotten used to that. We don't need to be creating these heroes. We need we need community heroes. We don't, you know, we don't need viral video heroes right now. We need oh, community heroes. We need you checking on your neighbors and not looking to social media for pets on the back about it.
1: You've reached the tipping point for a lot of this stuff, and I think also there's a timeliness, especially with what's going on in the world right now. You know, the COVID 19 situation is really bringing mental health to the forefront for a lot of people. There are a ton of people struggling. Let's relate this to Mm -hmm. your guys' individual circumstances right now. Like, if I think about you, Amelia, you're a filmmaker, you're an artist, musician, you've been touring since I've known you, you're a mom. Like, how has your life changed as
3: a result of the current circumstances? Tired. (laughs) I'm tired and everything is pajamas. Um, I mean, <laughs> I mean to be fair, I I stopped touring a little while ago. Yeah. But this is so weird. Now here in St. John's, we've got snowmageddon. You know, so we got used to it a little. We got used to staying home and each having our looking out window. I, Rick Mercer called it a looking out window. I thought that was great. But the thing is, is that was a snowstorm, and this is this is global. And this changes everything, and, and there's no deadline, and it's very overwhelming. And we need to take this one thing at a time, not even one day at a time, like one thing at a time. You do breakfast, you don't worry about lunch. Do lunch, right. don't even think about dinner. It's not dinner yet, you know what I mean? Do your yeah. supper. Try to sleep at night. <laughs> these are yes. these are the important things in your life right now, You you know, we need to take back seats in a really big way, and a lot of people are not going to be happy with that.
1: No, it's funny so, how you said pajamas. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was wearing I'm wearing a cardigan sweater today, and I, I was on a video conference, and everybody assumed it was a bathrobe because that's normal attire these days. <laughs> <laughs> <It is.
3: laughs>
1: and they didn't block it until
3: the end of the conference call, and I was like, "You thought I was wearing a bathrobe whole day?"
1: So yeah, well, and I, my, these are
3: my this just my daytime pajamas. Yeah. I <laughs> Yeah. And I think you're
1: right. I think it's about taking things moment by moment because things seem to change. Like, you know, like I was going to take a trip and within 48 hours, we weren't allowed to leave the country. And so, you know, uh, Mm. what what, what about you, DC? Um, You're an entrepreneur. You know, you are famous for socially bopping around the city and being at every event and knowing everybody around. (laughs) What is your experience with all this?
2: I'd like to start by saying that I like good times. So I'll just put that in a bow. I like being on the G. So not being able to be around my friends is a problem. Yeah. And I Mm -hmm. spend a lot of time alone right now. And I find that to be a shock to my system. And Mm -hmm. I, as an artist, am used to living um, with a level of uncertainty and uh, fluidity and, and expecting dynamic times. And entrepreneurialism is very well suited to those exact the mental health reality triggers, which is not knowing, you know, where tomorrow is coming from per se. So I have been living a uncertain based life for 10 years in my practice. And so I'm able to weave and bob through the uncertainties. I have some people very near and dear to me, whether it's on the artist side of life, or on the entrepreneurial side of life, who are not faring so well, um, mm-hmm. who are dealing with a lot of anxiety, and uh, isolation, and let's not forget that in a lot of, um, you know, mainstream, conventional, traditionally uh, framed illnesses, it's not the illness that kills you. It's the isolation and the feeling of separation that actually contributes most heavily um, to the negativity that happens with any illness. And Mm -hmm. so imagine mental health uh, realities that are so uh, closely tied to that I mean, it's an ocean of emotion for a lot of people in reverse when you're stuck in one place and you can't really control your Mm -hmm. day-to-day.
3: Yeah, Isolation and loneliness. Loneliness is really big when we talk about mental wellness and the the negative effects of loneliness. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, so what do we do, right? Mm -hmm. I'm so worried about a a lot of people I've never been worried about before. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, there's going to be collateral damage to COVID-19. And... Mm -hmm. Perhaps it's in a mental health, mental illness vein that this happens. This, to me, is a really big flagship stigma battle. People who have never identified with mental illness before, who may be experiencing this isolation, and the tools for dealing with that are mental illness, mental health tools. Mm-hmm. and you cannot be sitting there in your light in your isolation and being too proud or too exceptional to the reality that those tools are not for you. I will keep telling people these tools are for everyone. You cannot sit there and be too proud to be human because this is human. There's going to be collateral damage. Take care of your friends and your family and use the tools because they are out there. Yeah. Ooh.
1: Well, we're going to take another break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of those tools and what people can do during these exceptional times. I'm here with Juno award-winning artist Amelia Curran and Donnie Cody, entrepreneur in the marketing field. They are co-founders of It's Mental, a grassroots advocacy group for mental health. We'll be right back after this break.
0: The Health and Wellness Show will be right back on your VOCM. Woo! Now back to Dr. Mike Wall. This is the Health and Wellness Show Woo! on your VOCM.
1: Welcome back. I'm here with Juno award-winning artist Amelia Curran and Donnie Cody, entrepreneur extraordinaire in the field of marketing. They're the co-founders of It's Mental. Before the break, we were talking about the challenges people are facing right now with mental health, given our current circumstances. So I'll, I'll reflect back to you guys. What are you doing in your day-to-day life to try and, you know, manage the new reality? Want to take that one, Donnie?
2: So interesting. I can look back and recognize that I fell into every wellness discipline hole uh, that I could have stumbled into since this all began. My gym clothes, 6.45 every morning, I'm on the floor, that's my wellness moment, my therapy time, my time to get mentally strong and physically strong, which work well together in day-to-day hustling life, so that immediately went out the window, Okay. And then all of a sudden, there's nowhere to go and no one to see. So I'm back in storm chip land in some weird time warp moments. And I really fell away from um, the compassionate view of reaching out to everyone around me to make sure everyone was okay. I I, I automatically recoiled into this isolation, lonely moment. And I was there for a couple of weeks. I'm like, you know, from our friendship life that, you know... Mm -hmm. I feel like I even had to reach out to everyone and be like, guys, I'm so sorry. I actually slipped into um, you know, the black hole of what's happening instead of leaning into my relationships and my wellness practices. So now I'm back to walking outside because I can do that. Doing it at a distance, obviously. And I'm back into watching what I'm eating, which has a major impact on my mental well-being um, and my emotional well-being. Like being hangry is one thing, but being full Mm -hmm. of foods that have no vitamins or minerals is quite another. And a lot of us aren't woke to the true reality of that, which is why your show is so important because you're helping us understand the various lenses of what wellness truly is. It's not just what you see. Um, So I can say that personally speaking... I'm getting back on my proverbial course of wellness discipline, and I am also encouraging people around me to do the same, and I'm very lucky to have so many amazing people around me that had been encouraging me to do the same. So that's my moment. That's great. Amelia, how
1: are you?
3: It was great. You know, I have a two-year-old, so my life is really, really, really weird. We. <laughs> 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 in a way I'm very lucky because she has such a a routine and routine is so good for her. And, and then just by proxy, my life is so routine. And that is keeping me centered. Mm -hmm. It's having that routine, being tired enough to go to bed pretty early, you know, having meals at the right times and that sort of thing. But it's also, I mean, you know, when I was on tour, which is, maybe that's a weird thing to refer to. I mean, you're on tour and you're surrounded by people, but isolation was a really big thing for touring musicians and, and, You'll see music panels talking about that a lot. Mm -hmm. Isolation on tour, because everywhere you go, you're the life of the party, but the people don't realize that you were also the life of the party the night before and the night before, and then the party's over, and then you're literally all alone and, and tired and wondering if you're okay and looking for validation. It's just... It just oh, it's just yucky. But um there's some toddler language for you. It's yucky. <laughs> but my point is the show that when here. I was on when when I was on tour with the band, we'd be five, six weeks on the road, away from our families and our you know, and our other friends, and we would once a week we would have date night where we would go out to a restaurant where we would tip well and and have a nice wine and eat off real plates which sometimes was the highlight because so much, you know, sitting down, eating off a real plate. These were the, the, the normal life things that we would miss when we were on tour and they became so important to remember. So there's things like that, that you're missing now. A couple of days ago, just for kicks, I put on lipstick, <laughs> um, which is silly. I'm not a very makeup person. I put on lipstick traditionally, one, if I'm having a photo shoot, two, if I had to talk to Debbie Cooper. So that was it for me in <laughs> lipstick. So, but a couple days ago, I put lipstick on. And I was like, "What the hell?" People are cutting their bangs. People are dyeing their hair. Hairdressers mm-hmm. are mortified, but you're, they're going to have a lot of work <laughs> yeah. fixing a lot of stuff. These small, small things. <laughs> and we're making jokes that everything is pajamas and and mm. you know daytime bathrobes and nighttime bathrobes. And this thing is, you know. Sometimes you just got to dress up. You just got to act as though mm. so. it's Friday night girls and you can't go for right ride on the Metro bus, but you can, you know, anything you can do, these tiny things. It sounds so silly. The other thing you'll notice is a lot of mental wellness advice is super cheesy and really nerdy. And again, are you really going to be too good for that? Mm. Mm. It's okay. You know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Donnie. I was going to ask, but can we invite the buys over for some deviled eggs?
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't. You can't, you gotta just,
1: But we can have. No, you right, we It's can't. funny how, right. how things adapt, though, because, like, you know, my, my own workout regime, too, obviously, I've. I've been in physical fitness my whole life. I literally mm. got on FaceTime this morning with my workout partner at six o'clock in the morning and did our workout like we normally would. And it, for a second, it was like, oh, hey man, what's going on? And it was normal. And I was like, mm. weird that this is normal because we're in the groove now with all that stuff. And I mean, last mm. time I talked to you, Donnie, we were all on Messenger or something like that, putting stupid filters on mm. our face and laughing as is, is hard as we've laughed in a long time. But like, you mm. know, I think that's the kind of information I think people need to know is that it's okay to be a bit strange right now because these are strange yeah. times. But the ultimate thing is that we got to maintain that humor, which makes us who we are as Newfoundlanders, right? So hearing that we're all a little bit doing strange things is is probably a good thing for a lot of people. And that's the big thing is if you guys were to give any advice to people that were listening, like there's an opportunity here to to look at some of those well-roundedness aspects. Like I think that a lot of people in the traditional wellness field that have been fit all of a sudden are realizing that doesn't really help them when they're by themselves. What would you guys encourage people to do now that they have this chance to slow down?
2: I will start. I'll say the quote, you know, some pop lyrics, turn and face the strange people. Like, (laughs) let's stop with the professional manicured sheens that we like to be so guarded over when it comes to the posts on the social media channels. And I think that what we're seeing from a lot of people is vulnerability. And we're seeing a lot of people show up as their true... Um, unnerved selves versus the poised picture of ourselves that we typically try to show um, everybody from day to day. I find that to be one of the most refreshing things that I'm seeing during this pandemic, this moment we're going through. Is people are dropping the aesthetic and leaning into the honesty of how they are feeling and and wearing that and owning that. And I think that's a refreshing. Um, humble, brave way for us all to evolve. Yeah. Yeah. And Amelia, want I add
1: to that? Yeah.
3: I. I mean, it's along the same lines of. Like, I love turn and face the strange. It's. It's the other thing is that this is us. This is us all along, right? Like nobody is is that poised, even Debbie Cooper. <laughs> you know uh, no, I love actually, but, she, she, she may be she, she may be That boys Her and Meryl Streep I don't know But um, <laughs> The thing is no Nobody's perfect Nobody's that normal This is hard The reality is that This is hard Nobody's good at this Nobody's done this before You know what I mean But actually You know who's lived like this before Is people who suffer mental illnesses you go to the grocery store now and everybody looks worried. And I can't yes. help but thinking that there were many years of my life when I was always that scared going to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. And I was always that scared leaving my house and being around people. And it wasn't because of the pandemic. So, what I would offer is that you can, while nobody's good at this, and this is strange for everybody, you can reach out to people who know how yeah. to deal with fear. And that it's okay to be afraid, and you can reach out to people who understand what that's like. And really, I gotta say, and I posted this on Facebook a couple of days ago, which is weird because I only post on Facebook three times a year. I'm like, but you didn't. We are all still fighting stigma when this is over. I don't know what I'm gonna do with you. Like, right. I don't know how else to help people well, understand that stigma is just not helping anyone.
1: Mm -hmm. Somebody dropped off something of the day at the end of my driveway who's been a lifelong friend of mine, and I waved from a distance terrified to go near my friend that I would have given a hug to a million times over. I go into a store. I don't want to go near somebody. I'm terrified. If this doesn't breed compassion and understanding to think that some people's reality is this all the time and that we need to be more understanding towards those people, and although we may not get Mm -hmm. it, it may not be inherent to us we still got to respect that and give people the space to be themselves and, and, and tools. So I think that's brilliant, Amelia, that people will come out of this with a better understanding of what it's like to be like that day to day. I mean, earlier. I hope so.
3: I mean, we're talking about having hope, and and yes, we're going to get through this, and yes, it's going to be a different world when we come out the other side. I want to see everyone on the other side of this. Yeah, I don't want there to be collateral damage. We're going to hug. I hate hugs. I can't wait to hug somebody. <laughs> <laughs> you know, We're going to have a talk about this. You know, yeah. we have yeah. to you now. It's so important.
1: That's great. We're gonna to jump to break, guys. I love this conversation. I'm here with Juno Award-winning artist Amelia Curran and Donnie Cody, entrepreneur in the marketing field. They're co-founders of It's Mental. We'll be right back after this break.
0: The Health and Wellness Show will be right back on your VOCM. Woo! Now back to Dr. Mike Wall. This is the Health and Wellness Show Woo! on Your VOCM.
1: Welcome back. We're here with Juno award-winning artist Amelia Kern and Donnie Cody, owner of DC Design House. They are co-founders of It's Mental. Guys, let's talk music. This is your world. I personally have always found music transformative. It's a place I can find comfort. I'll tell you a story. First time I ever met you, Amelia, we were over at Donnie's house, and I remember the guitar was going around. It was a typical Newfoundland theme where... People, they're like, oh, I don't play guitar, and everybody playing the guitar could play something. And then finally, they, you know, I was like, I was like, I actually literally, apparently can't actually play guitar. And then finally, they convinced you to sing us one little good night song before we all uh, turned into the night. And, you know, it changed the mood of the environment of everybody. Everybody just kind of wound down. And it was great. Like, can you guys, can you tell me about the medicinal value and like the, the value that music can bring mm. to people during, you know, stressful times?
3: It's no news flash to anyone that music is good for you, you know, and mm-hmm. everybody loves music. And that healing power of music is is so very real and it doesn't mean playing music, it doesn't mean writing your own songs, it doesn't have to mean any of that. Not that you couldn't. I mean, really, you can get a degree in songwriting, but I don't know why you would. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> the thing is Music is good for you. Anyway, every evening here, me and the toddler have a dance party to whatever is on the radio or whatever, you know, Motown collection I've got going on. We have a dance party every evening. Sometimes I don't want to, sometimes she doesn't want to. We do it anyway, and we certainly feel better for it. This is the power of music, right? Music is putting that in our lives. And I would suggest dance parties (laughs) in your home, even by yourself, all this dance like nobody's watching, you know, from, from however long ago, that's real now. This is that moment. This is that moment for you to dance like nobody's watching. And I think you should do it every day. It's really good for you. And like they say in many recovery rooms, it's the moments when you really don't want to do it that it's the most important for you to do it. And that right. means go outside for a walk mm-hmm. when you least want to and mm-hmm. have a little boogie in your kitchen when you least want to. And that is mm-hmm. really healing. I got yeah, more into dance and physical activity there than music. I just got pretty excited for our upcoming dance.
1: No, that's great. No, it's funny. I've been reliving vacations. Whenever I go on vacation, I have a soundtrack for that vacation. I always pick an album that I want to listen to during that trip, and I've visited some Mm -hmm. of those memories because that's what music can do to bring you back. Now, Donnie, you're a perfect example of music. Uh, You work 80 hours a week at your job, I think, probably, or if it's even possible, and then on your spare (laughs) time, you do events where you throw rock concerts for foundations, (laughs) like it's mental, (laughs) or you record an album just for fun. So obviously music a show-off. <laughs> so, yeah, no big D. You know, there must be some benefit to it for you. What's your perspective on that?
2: Uh, uh, first i I'll say I find the concept of work as it pertains to my vocation, hobby, obsession to be an interesting one because I don't have a laptop. I have an art machine. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm honest. And I'm writing and I'm designing and I'm recording. and And I am the luckiest person alive because I get to do what I love to do with people I love who value what I do. And so I'll work 120 hours a week because guess what? It's not work, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, and, and yet it does come with burnout and those related emotional moments that happen when you're pounding away at anything for a long period of time and not taking those wellness breaks, no matter mm-hmm. what it is. The obsession with anything is unhealthy. And I've definitely, as a lot of my friends and family know, have had my own um, reality around the subject of being, potentially needing to have a moment away from my doing and my art because it truly is my day and my night and in my dreams you know so I'm not one to talk about balance (laughs) so I'm not one to give advice per se I do think though that back to what you were saying about um, music and how important it is for us all I think it's it's critical my friend can't sing she can't play an instrument she can't write a rhyme but she can play a mean stereo mm. uh,
3: mm-hmm. and when she said it
2: to me I laughed I that
3: that's too,
1: the funniest yeah. thing I've
2: ever heard you
3: know that's great yeah I
1: yeah. um, no, you know you and I'm gonna I'm gonna clarify that statement Donnie because you are balanced you just work really hard because you do balance job and music and friends and other and community involvement as good as anybody so I'm gonna not let you throw yourself into that unbalanced life. and you and you take care of your fitness which something is not easy to do for people you have any stories or any examples of like when you see music be transformative for people for their mental health, like
2: go for it. So many, so many, um, every time you see someone entranced by a performance, they're watching. When you see someone shed a tear at the song, they're hearing when you see someone read, um, or recite a line of a famous song and you see the connection and feel the connection in their voice, that's music. That's, to me, powerful. Mm. What
1: about
3: you, Amelia? Music, yeah. I mean, music will, I think we've all seen music can, can really, oh, gosh, I mean, it can really play waves with your with your physiology. It's, you know, mm. it's so exciting. It's such a powerful thing. The creative outlet I didn't touch on. In terms of, you know, I was saying, and, and she plays a mean stereo, which I'm going to remember for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> but having a creative outlet in times like these, we've got the isolation, we've got the loneliness, we've got the worry, which which is all very real and very human. Having some kind of creative outlet, not necessarily music, maybe it's maybe it's visual art, maybe it's writing, even just keeping a journal, writing a letter to somebody else, anything at all. I think that's really important. That's your inner voice coming out. And and God knows our inner voices are really, really worried right now. And that's a dialogue that you're having with yourself that can do a lot of damage if you're not keeping it in check. And a way to help yourself out. Do yourself a favor tomorrow. Find yourself some kind of creative outlet. There are millions of ideas if you need them.
1: Well, I, you know, I've I just did. Uh, i got a new online course, and I'm learning about a couple of things I've always wanted to learn about when I got a chance, and it's, a, it's an opportunity. One thing I think is really interesting when it comes to music is it's so ingrained in our culture. Actually, Alan Hocko told me this one time. He said it's very rare that you can see a monument to the church that's actually smaller and lower down on the hills than the monument to the arts that we have in St. John's, which is the rooms, right? Uh-huh. And so, you know, there's very few places with a cathedral where the cathedral is overshadowed by the arts. And so
2: wow. I feel...
1: Yeah, and And one of the things I've seen a lot of, yeah, it's true though, it's very, and you know, somebody from the arts community observing that, but I have really enjoyed watching the online music performances by some of my favorite artists that are performing from their house and sharing that gift with people right now and offering so much comfort uh, and entertainment, you know, entertainment you might not even have access to right now, you know, you've probably seen people like, uh, how do you perceive that from being artists yourselves?
3: I mean, I would say you know it's it's a way of reaching out and it's almost a way of providing and it's a way of making sure that your that your people are okay, you know sometimes your audiences are your family, and yeah. certainly in newfoundland that is that is a very real thing, mm. so I mean it's reaching out and it is definitely helping the community, but it's also it's helping that performer I mean, mm. you know Alan Doyle was doing his supper time concerts for however long, and I would say that lifted him up a lot and and him and Mm -hmm. his family, and I think that was really great, and it definitely reached out to a lot of other people, and that was right at the beginning of this, and I thought that was really, really great and very aware of of him to do that. I think we're (laughs) going to see a lot of that. I think we're going to discover brand new artists, you know? There was that young woman, where was she, who wrote that blues song, the COVID-19 blues or the quarantine Mm. blues She's mm. so good <laughs> i mean i think we're going to discover a lot of new and young artists through this mm-hmm. if we can stick together in this way yeah
1: right? mm-hmm. well that's, that's that's what i'll guess i'll get your your final thoughts on this maybe i'll start with you amelia that you know we're closing up here we got a couple minutes left closing remarks on what people can do in the next little while what they should take as perspective
3: oh my god i think um i think i keep being kind of pushy about it but i i school age children know that the three tiers of mental wellness are sleep and food and activity. And if you can just make sure you have that, even check them like boxes, like things that you need to do that day, try and sleep at night, try and make sure you're fed well and properly and at the right times and, and try and make sure that you're getting some kind of activity. That is so boring. <laughs> I'm just, but it's the reality of, of keeping ourselves alive right now because after this, it's gonna be different and we gotta we gotta be on point. We gotta be able to handle that and we gotta know how to communicate. You know? Reach out and don't touch someone. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm really worried about people who've never understood mental illness and mental wellness before. I'm worried about people thinking that they are some kind of exception. These yeah. are exceptional yeah. times and yeah. you're not alone. And yes. that is just the most important thing that I can drive home to anybody.
1: That's reassuring.
2: Yeah, Donnie, final thoughts? Yeah, it is. I echo Amelia. I think that um, necessity is the mother of invention and that we have an opportunity right now to lean into each other. And whether you uh, are a musician or an artist or someone who deals in any type of talent or ability, it's time to share those with each other and to keep close to each other. I'm looking forward to how this time in life Um, Excites us about the future, about who we can be, and how much more compassionate and woke we can be to each other. I think that is uh, the opportunity we have. Mm
1: -hmm. Great. Well, guys, you two are two of the reasons I wanted to do a show like this because I think this information (laughs) is just so powerful, and I I appreciate it so much. So thank you so much for being here today, guys.
3: Thank you. Thank you you for having this show and keep talking about it.
1: I will. Okay. Well, guys, that's today's show. We were here with Juno Award winning artist Amelia Curran and Donnie Cody from D.C. Design House. They are co-founders of It's Mental, a grassroots advocacy group for mental health. Uh, That's today's show. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Wall. We will check in with you again same time next week.